when there. Um, but I mean, I appreciated the stadium. I mean, the field field was pristine. You know, the turf and and everything was pristine. It, I think it was the. I don't know if that was the summer that Jonathan played for them or not. But we had taken a trip to San Francisco, and so we watched the Giants, went across the bay, watched the A's. So it was kind of all, all part of that. Little, Oakland's a little different than San Francisco, summer. isn't it? Yes. Just a little. Yeah, he was on the A's in 2018. So that might have been. It might have been that summer. When he was there. Um, but just beautiful area, West Coast. I love the West Coast. Oakland Coliseum, man. It. Uh, I think whenever, it's like the Raiders, the whole fan base tried to make it part of their charm. Not that they were charming exactly, but part of their mystique. I'll use that word. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the ownership was like, that's cool and all, but yeah, we don't want to play in this thing. And I think for the A's, I don't know that you've ever gotten that vibe. They've been trying to open a, a ballpark in a different spot for years, but they've... I feel like Oakland's got to at least keep one. Like the Las Vegas A's, it just doesn't. Oakland A's just it, it just has a nice rolls ring off your tongue. That's that's what it is. It really does. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. That's Anthony Babineau. I'm Scott Prather. We're going to talk Cajun baseball in a, in just a couple of minutes. Saints season opener next year, Bab. I know you're a Saints fan. They are hosting the Packers to open the season. You like that? I do like it. I was, the funny thing is, we don't know who's the quarterback's going to be for either team. That's wild. I think it'll. I think it'll be Jameis for the Saints. I mean, would you bet? And it'll probably Rodgers, but that thing is a bit. That thing is a bit dicey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was wrong. I thought. I thought that the opening kickoff would be. Um, I thought it was going to be Bucks Saints, and I thought that for a long time because my thought was, well, the Bucks are going to open, of course, because they're the Super Bowl champions. You got a divisional team that you beat in the playoffs, and their starting quarterback could be the former quarterback of the Bucks. Brady will could possibly break one of Breeze's all time records like that night. Like it, it just all kind of stacked up for the storyline, and it's the Cowboys and the Bucks to open the season, which will get a ton of viewers. Uh, Sunday night football is Bears at Rams. Monday night football, um, I guess it's only one. It's usually that doubleheader week one, but it's showing just one game of Baltimore at uh, at Vegas. It's still weird to say the Vegas Raiders. I don't know, man. Oakland Coliseum. You said there was nobody there. It was just late in the season and they're out of the playoffs. Is that just no fans in the stands? No, it was not late in the season. It was uh, it was June. It was June. There were just no fans in the stand. Well, that's not good. No, that's how much of that is Oakland. How much of that is the Oakland Coliseum? Probably a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Still don't want it. How many baseball stadiums have you been to? Like Major League. Hmm. San Francisco, Oakland. So the new one, AT&T Park? Yes, we played there. We played in a I tournament. I remember that. We played in a tournament. There. Yeah, that was when uh, Taylor, um, former Cajun that married the girl from Glee. Taylor Hubble. Taylor Hubble. Married the girl from Glee, the high school sweethearts. Remember she showed up. And Jay and some others were like, "Oh, you look like the girl from Glee." She's like, "I am." <laughs> still, it's still because wild to me. Yeah, because I am. Oh, that's funny. I am. I am that person. Um, Dodger Stadium, um, Diamondbacks. I've now I haven't seen a game there, but I've been there. That that's a Chase Field. That's a nice Chase one. Field. Yes. I did a restaurant in there once. A friend of mine used to do some uh, PR work for him. At, uh, Houston. 
Rangers, not the new, not the new one that just opened. Which is wild. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers had a new ballpark and then opened a new ballpark. That's correct. And the A's have been playing in the same one for 53 years. That's correct. Uh, the old Yankee Stadium, not new. Haven't been to Boston. I want to go to Fenway. Haven't gone to Fenway. That'd be cool. Um, haven't been to Target Field in Minnesota, but I've been to the old Metrodome. Again, that was for a tournament that we played in in 2005, I believe. Where else, Scott? I don't know. You've been to Wrigley? Yes. Not to a game, like to a tour. Yeah. I heard it's a dump. Well, it was January. So, I mean, uh, uh, there was a no, lovable there was historic, no ivory, uh, ivy or anything like that. A lovable historic <laughs> venue that they should never change. That's right in the heart of the neighborhood, which I think is great. But I've heard, yeah, it's, you know, it is as old as it, as it's, as parks it says that I, it is. Parks that I really want to see that I have not yet, Boston, Fenway, and Pittsburgh. Yeah, PNC that's beautiful. Park. That backdrop behind the outfield wall with the downtown and the they did it right. The bridge, they oh, did it right. Beautiful. At they least right. on TV, it looks beautiful. Yeah. BJ's told me it's 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 really really beautiful. I uh, I haven't been to too many. You know, I mean the old Astrodome, Dodger Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, where the Diamondbacks play. I've been outside of Fenway. I've never been inside of it. Um, I was there. There's a bar across from Fenway that. Ironically, is a bar, a sports bar. I think it's called like the dugout or artificial turf or some some it's some baseball name. But it, during football season, it's where Saints fans that live in the Boston area go, and it's like a Saints bar. Like this is weird. It's across from Fenway. So I've been there. I've watched two Saints game there when I was this was I was not there during baseball season, and then I walked across and tried to walk into Fenway, and almost actually just walked in one day, and then. Someone's like, hey, you got a pass? I'm like, no, I was just coming to check it out. They're like, get out of here. Like, All right. <laughs> I almost just walked right in. Um, ESPN1420.com. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen too many. Uh, Fult, um, Fulton County Stadium and um, Ted Turner and the new SunTrust. Been to all three of those. There's so many, it's tough to think of. I'd like to, you know, I think up the- I wouldn't mind seeing Camden Yards at some point. Mm-hmm. Camden Yards, I feel like when, when the Orioles built that one, I I I feel like that stadium was the the start of the stadium ballpark, like the the whole, the rage of you got to update it. And and I'm not just talking about in baseball. I mean like across sports. That one in Cleveland. It was just like suddenly it was like whoa! It can be so much more than just a place where they play games. It had all this stuff to do, you know, next to the stadium during within the gates of the stadium, like during a game. It had this very neighborly feel. Prior to that, a lot of the 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 teams were doing these sort of cookie cutter, you know, it's let's get a stadium that can host all these sports and we can change it around and the turf's kind of cheap and there was just no style or like heart to any of it. And yet that's what everyone was doing. And then once Camden Yards came around, it was like other other franchises, you mentioned it, and, and what Cleveland did, it was, wow, we can we can do a lot more than just host games. Here. Yeah, there was, they started to build restaurants and then bars, different things. Yeah, and now you know that's, it's a must a must have. Um, where else? Kansas City, check. Um, see, I said Atlanta. Oh, Miami Marlins, check. 
Um, the new one with that that weird thing in the outfield that was only there for like a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got you've got a long list there. You've been to a bunch of them. Colorado, check. You've been to a bunch of them. I said the Dyers already. Yeah. Dodger yeah. Stadium's pretty old too, but there's it is very old, but it's there's something about yeah, it's, it's nice, it's, and like you said, there's something about it. Just Chavez Ravine, and it works. It works beautiful. Like beautiful. having like an old, even though it was built prior, when was Dodger Stadium? It has like that L.A. that old L.A. Los Angeles feel. Um, there was and, a thirty for thirty done on it just recently that I watched the weekend that we were in Little Rock, I believe. And it was very good. A lot of history that I didn't know, you know, from the ravine and, and what people had to go through to make room for that stadium. Yes. Yeah. It, it was something. It um it was built in sixty two. It kinda has like a seventies feel to it. And yet the difference between an old stadium like that and then Oakland Coliseum, it's just somehow night and day, man. I don't know. There's an there's an art to it. I mean, as you guys know, you had a lot of charm at, at the Teague, and then when it became MLT Moorefield at Russo Park and got, um, you know, the facelift that, that turned out great. I mean, I know you heard it from fans. I know, I know, you know, the Russo family um, that has so much passion for the program. <clears throat> they they had it in their mind as well. We want to we want to face we want to give this thing a facelift, but how do we not lose any of the charm? Right. And um, I feel like they've done it. You know, there's certain things that, like, obviously, just aren't going to be there anymore when you, when you, when you give a, a state, when you make it bigger, and, and some of the sound and aesthetics. But overall, you know, I, I feel like a lot of them had with the Teague, you still have at MLT Moorefield at Russo Park, and that's not always easy to do. No, I think we did. We have kept that charm, and there's a lot of the the people and groups and and entities that have stayed from. You know, the cooking club to the peanuts to the, the different vendors that were with the old stadium. Now, obviously, it's bigger. Things are more spread out, but you have more comforts as well. Right. So and there's more opportunities for us to to make revenue. So it's a a great opportunity that we had back in 2017 uh, that started with the Russo family and has just kind of continued to, to build on that into what it is now. ESPN1420.com, Anthony Babineau, Scott Prather. Rage of Cajun softball is scheduled to play this morning, 10 a.m., 9.45 pregame. From what I hear, there is a light rain right now in Troy, um, although it could be clearing. So if there are any updates, we'll certainly update you on that. Speaking of rain, altering games that happened last night at Russo Park. We'll dig into that, talk about the upcoming series against UT Arlington. For Louisiana's Rage Occasions and more, Associate Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babineau in studio. The Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up, continues right after this.
Welcome back into the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. Up. Anthony Babineau is in the house. Rage Cajun associate head baseball coach as he joins me each Wednesday during the season. I think I think in the summertime, I, I think you're going to miss coming in here. Am I wrong? Um, once the season ends. Once the season ends? Yeah. I'm going to miss coming in here? Yeah, every Wednesday. I don't know about 8 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going to miss coming in. Uh, oh, man, it's great. It's great. I'm messing with you. So, <clears throat> Last night, I would when 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 I was told earlier in the day, like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna it's a go for tonight. Mm-hmm. My thought process was, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I was like, you can't reschedule this game, right? Um, because of how late it is in the season. Perhaps with the chance of it being rained out, if it was early in the season, you'd probably try to move it. But there's really nowhere else to put it, and. The, the weather last night was nasty bad, but some of it, there was some rain expected, but it wasn't expected to just continue hardcore all night, and then it just kind of changed at, I don't know, 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, something like that. So um, you're the scheduling guy. What all goes into a decision earlier in the day and then all the way up to the start of the game and during the game when it's finally like, like how, lay it out for us, the, the beginning discussion uh, we're going to try to play this game to that last everything in between in that last moment of we just we have to call it. Well, the first thing, and you just mentioned it, is where it is in the season. If you're exactly right, if this would have been earlier in the season, we would have tried to find a, a common date to play this later in the season. But the fact that we're two weeks from the end of the season, Southern begins their conference tournament next week, so there's no opportunity there. We have a Tuesday game and then a Thursday series that starts, so there's no opportunity there. So last night was really the only night we had to play. So we took a look at the forecast all the way up until around 2 o'clock, which is when they were scheduled to leave to come here. It looked at that point as if we had two to two and a half to maybe almost depending on how the weather would go to possibly get it in. Now, with a chance at around 7, 8 o'clock, as you mentioned, of some precipitation. But, you know, you never know that those things can always get pushed back. So we made that decision to let's try and play it. And then we had also said because there's no opportunity to continue it, should it get suspended, then we were going to determine that or deem it to be a complete game after five. So if we're beyond five or four and a half, Weather, lightning comes, we can't resume, then it's a complete ball game. Whoever has the lead is the winner. If it's below four and a half and we can't resume, then it goes as a no contest, canceled game, which is what happened. We went way below. We went way below that. You know, when when that lightning came in the bottom of the first, around 620, something like that, I believe it was. I mean, it was, of course, you could see it from behind the outfield wall getting darker, but on radar, as we're looking, you really don't see anything. And then all of a sudden, this just, which we know down here, that can de- happen all the time, things developing from the Gulf. And that's what happened. Uh, that cell developed from the Gulf, pushed up to us, and then it pretty much merged with the big cell that was above us and just didn't give us an opportunity. And then so we're waiting it out, trying to wait it out, wait it out. Again, looking at the radar, looks like possibly – 
between 8 and 8.30. We could maybe get back out there if the lightning would stop, but it just didn't stop, and the decision was made just to, because, you know, two hours is typically a decent wait time. Mm-hmm. Anything above that starts to kind of get, well, you know, is it worth it? Or, or So at that point, Coach Deggs and Coach Crenshaw discussed and just decided that in everyone's best interest, it was just time to go home. It's tough, man. I know. Uh, it, it, I know Southern doesn't want to make the trek to not get to play, and I know you guys always want to play as well. It's. I know it's not an easy thing, but it, at some point, I guess, when it comes to that moment where you got to call it, what's the um, <clears throat> nastiest weather that you've seen in your time coaching that either delayed a game or called a game? Man, over the course of twenty-seven years now, there's been there's been plenty from frigid cold temperatures yeah. i think the coldest and, and craziest that we've seen and played in is back i guess the early well either the early 2000s late late 90s when western kentucky was still in the conference you know we pull up and for practice on thursday and there's snow covering the ground and and then it melted a little bit but it started snowing again throughout the weekend so playing through snow and of course you know the rain and the and the lightning. You really don't play through that, but just I can remember a serious storm coming through at Florida Atlantic when they were in the they were in the conference. And I remember it because it they pulled us off the field, and so we were in our dugout and they were in their dugout, and you could see a storm coming, and we were like, "Why are they not putting the tarp on the field?" Uh oh. And then we come to find out that. The administration basically had had told them that if that needs to be done, that needs to be done before the lightning delay starts. Because once a lightning uh, delay, you know, you gotcha. can't go out there. So what a mess! The rain came, and we just watched into a a lake. And hey, we'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully, we can get tomorrow in. But there's been there's been some doozies. There's been some here even, and it, the worst is is when you get trapped in the dugout and a downpour comes and it starts to rain. As long as it rains straight up and down, you're okay. But when there's some wind and it starts getting that sideways rain and you can, there's only so many places you can go in the dugout before you just get soaked. Anthony Babineau, our guest, ESPN 1420. All right, one more memory question before we take a break and then talk about UT Arlington and Drake Osborne and Spencer Arigetti and some other things I want to chat with you about. Um, Deggs had a, um, we'll call it a heated discussion with the umpire Jeremy Hayes before Sunday's game. I asked him about it on Monday and he said, I was just, you know, making sure he was having a nice day. And then he laughed and I said, well, really had nothing to do with some of the calls on some of the Connor Cook pitches. Ladies like, yes, of course, that's what it was. I was joking. Um, what what's the most heated you ever saw Robe get with an umpire? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be one that stands out big time. There's been some pretty heated ones. It, it seems to have always a lot of times happened in Mobile at South Alabama because that was always it was all you know. Up until recently, that used to always be the last or one of the last weekends of the conference season for us. You know, it usually always came down to us or them 
winning the league, and so it was always a big weekend, and you're just you're fighting for your team, and everything's so intense. Uh, probably in uh, one of them, that I, th- I don't think he even got thrown out, but this umpire, this particular umpire, and I forget who it was, but he just let him, he gave him a lot of rope, and they never got in each other's face. It just went on from behind the plate and in the dugout, just shouting back and forth. And I remember Tony, <laughs> I remember Tony telling the umpire that, you know, I'm not going to on the radio holler and, and scream, but basically he told him that when you checked your schedule and you saw that you had UL and South Alabama at the, <laughs> at the end of the season, he said, you should have circled that weekend and you should have known that you'd have two intense competitors gotcha. and things were going to be heated and, and you needed to be ready for it. And he was, he was just wearing the guy out and the guy just, he let him, he let him go. He let him go. Uh, but that was a good one that never, that didn't turn into an ejection and didn't even go out on the field. Like I said, if the umpire was hollering from behind home plate and Tony was hollering from in the dugout and. He had he's he's had some good ones here. You know, I could always tell when he was going to be out there for a while that he was going to get thrown out because his finger would start pointing at the ground and he would kind of make a little like a, a a jump, like his feet would come off the ground just ever so slightly. And I would go, oh boy, here we go. I need to, I need sure to enough. start working on uh, taking <laughs> over here. Yeah, yeah. was it, did he ever tell you like? All right, you're gonna coast the rest, and then leave the dugout. Like you're gonna have to take us the rest of the way in this one, and then just walk out and, like, essentially, like no, he was like no, he was gonna get get ejected. Yeah, no, he never. No, I did that one time. I did that one time early on when I left the dug. Well, before I left the dugout, I said I'm I'm gonna go get tossed here, but no, he never would say I'm gonna get. I think maybe a couple times he might have said, "Hey, I got a feeling that this might happen." But he never said, hey, I'm going out to get thrown out. ESPN 1420. That's Anthony Babineau, associate head baseball coach for Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, getting ready for a big series against UT Arlington. You look at the standings in the Sun Belt West, really tight right there um, after the team in first place and a lot of jockeying for position. Major series coming up. Cajuns hitting the road this weekend for a big one. We're going to talk about that the play of Drake Osborne as of late, and much more. It's The Great Scott Show, sponsored by Sudop. I'm Scott Babineau. We're right back right after this. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Anthony Babineau in studio with us. So, how you feeling about the team right now as you guys get ready for this really, really big weekend series at UT Arlington? Well, we're coming off of of three wins last weekend. Three wins that we, for all intents and purposes, should have gotten. Right against, no disrespect, but against the competition that we played, we, we did what we had to do. We still had to come out and, and compete and play the game and play it pretty well. There were some times where, you know, we were probably able to get a, some things that happened. We were get a, we were able to get away with it 
whereas this weekend coming up we may not be able to get away with. But, you know, we still as a whole pitched it pretty well, made some plays, and, and put the ball in play hard pretty successfully. So, you know, we're coming off with three wins. Disappointed that we weren't able to get it that game in last night. That's, that was another opportunity for us to – chance to succeed for us and, and to, to do some positive things and just more momentum that we could carry into the weekend. But, you know, we're, we're feeling confident and we know that that we've got to, we know really at this time that, you know, our postseason fate is going to rely on the conference tournament. We know that. But we've got, we also know that in order to get that done, we need to play a little bit more consistently and do some things a little bit better that we haven't have done throughout the course of the season. In terms of uh, the, the aggressiveness on the base path, I remember asking you early in the season, I guess after a tough weekend, you know, that continue, you're like, of course it is. Like, that's always going to be there. Um, and, you know, it worked in this, I think you referenced maybe the two-lane series. I don't remember that it worked there, and it wasn't up to par this past weekend, but that's something we're always going to do. And that's that's in Dex's DNA. And he told me Monday, um, you know, I asked him about it. He said, look, it wasn't our best week, and we have we have uh, improvement there, but we have to work on it. It's the only way we can get better. And he also said, in terms of the base running philosophy, I said, "Who calls them?" You know, I, oh, I know it's you, but do, does anyone have a green light? He said, "All the guys have the green light." Right. Um, he said it is something that doesn't happen overnight. Right. It's it's kind of like marinating something for a really long time. It, it you know you. It, it takes some seasons is the way is the words he used. Um, what is it about the base running philosophy? And, and it's a, it's a, I guess it's not an, an easy or fair question. Cause I know it's obviously very in depth, but what is it about this one as opposed to others you've been around uh, Bab that make it as in depth as it is that it, it takes a while for the entire team to really all be on the same page with it. Well, I don't know if it's so much, the the system or or how he wants it done it's as much as getting the the right player the right athlete to to execute it you know there's some there's some leads and some some secondary leads at second base you know that is is a little different than some other systems but really it's just it's just trying to get momentum it's trying to prepare yourself to take an extra base to steal third base and just putting yourself in the best position and with the best momentum possible to be successful there so again it's 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 nothing earth-shattering or he didn't reinvent base running it's just he likes that extreme aggression but with a foot somewhat covering the break should you need it, right? Yeah, right. Um, but he wants the game played fast, hard, and loose. He preaches that every day, and we've seen the results of that when you have the right players in that system. I mean, it, it speaks for itself. So, you know, that's what that's what the staff is is working towards, and – we have guys on this team that, that can play within that system, and, and we have a team, we think, that can play within that system. We just have not shown that that consistency yet to you know to where you see it day in and day out. On the uh, hitting side of it, when it comes to bunting, he, Diggs also referenced Connor Kimball <clears throat> and him 
always look, we want guys that are going to do whatever's best for the team, period. There's things we need to work on. There's things we got to improve on. Um, when you're playing in North Alabama and you have a, a sizable lead, you're you might you're going to coach slightly different than when you're down one, right? Um, and as you said, thinking of the bigger picture, we got to improve it in areas so that we can try to win the conference tournament because that is that is the doorway to the NCAA tournament. Uh, when it comes to bunting, is that always called by the coaches, or do players sometimes have a green light with that as well? Most of the time, called from the coaches, but they have some of the guys have a green light. To where they can bunt, you know, just because they. Now, there's also spots where, and this has happened before too, you know, you have guys with a green light that can bunt and they'll drop down a bunt when you don't need to bunt there. You need them to stand there and hit and drive in a run. You know, you got a runner at second base and, you know, they bunt and they're successful. Now you're first and third. Well, that's fine, but, you know, we needed you to drive in that run. We didn't need you to bunt right there. Uh, so there's a couple of them that have it, but for the major, for the most part, that's called as well. It's uh, it's not like the the the, the base stealing or the base running where no. everyone's got the green light. It is more of a um, maybe a few exceptions, but for the most part, this is going to be called by the coaches. And again, the green light, you know, and I heard some of the conversation that you had with Matt. That green light for the runners, um, that can be. You know, it's a green light until it's not. That can be taken off for right. If you a pitch, two it, pitches, sure. the whole at bat. Okay, and not not no not for abusing it. Just when we're in a situation where we definitely do not want you to run right here. Got gotcha. you. Know, we gotcha. take, can take it off. Um, Drake Osborne, man, this guy's been hitting close to four hundred since you guys started conference play. What's clicking for him right now? What what why is why is he playing at the level he is right now at the plate? Well, he's a solid player, and he works at the game, and and he treats the game fairly. The game pays him back. You know, he's really not to the 400 clip like in conference play, but all season, a very, very consistent season all year. He had a great fall, so he was doing this in the fall. So, you know, it's not always a guarantee or a predictor of what's going to happen in the spring, but we had seen it in the fall, and he just carried it over to the spring. He's a team leader. All the players, love, the pitchers love him, but but the whole team loves him. And just a, a, a great team guy and, and does what he's supposed to do, does what he needs to do, and he's reaping some benefits of it. I, I pray every day that he gets an opportunity to play professionally because he deserves it. Whether he makes it or not, that's no one knows, but he deserves an opportunity to play professionally, and I hope he gets that chance. Coach Deggs told us Monday that one of the things they wanted to accomplish last week and was kind of getting Arigetti back right, um, felt good about it. How is Spencer right now? We've, we talked last week about what it might be, what it might not be, tipping pitches. Is it? Is it not? I mean, it's been it's been talked about at nauseum. I think anyone that follows the program knows what we're referencing, but how 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 is he feeling right now getting ready for these last two series and then – when that tournament starts in that pod play, when you got guys like Arigetti and Cook, you got a great chance to get out of a pod. Well, as far as how he's feeling, he feels great. I mean, he he could have a 10 ERA, and he'll still think that he's the he, – he really – His, his mentality m- is part of what makes him great. There's no doubt about it because, you know, he has good stuff, but it's not – arguably may, probably not the be- – even it's arguably not the best on the team, but he thinks it is. I mean, he'll – and that's part of it. That's that's the the aura about him. He loves so the scrap. he's he loves the scrap for sure. So he's 
chomping at the bit for Friday. He's chomping at the bit for next Thursday. He's chomping at the bit for whenever they say we play in Montgomery. He's just he's a competitor. He loves to take the take the ball and and he loves to be the guy in in big situations. What's I'm the, glad he's on our team. What's the biggest I can tell key, you that. What's the biggest key this weekend? I think just getting off to a good start. You know, you always want to start. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying anything earth-shattering. You just want to start the weekend well, right? You just want to get off to a good start and let that turn into hopefully a a great big weekend, right? I mean, Matt talked to the team last night after the game was was called off and, and talked about the weekend a little bit and said that, you know, talked to him about that ballpark a little bit and just, you know, Arlington's a great city, and, and we stay right there in the middle of all the pro pro venues. And it's just a it's just a good place to play, and and but you know they have a lot of success there, so you've got to get in there ready to go, and and we've got to be on point. He meant you mentioned the short game, you know. He mentioned that last night that we need to use the short game to try and and shrink the field so that we can lengthen the field, and and. The wind usually does not blow out there, but if but if our at bats are good enough and and we have enough power where we can still jump ship there, we think even though you know there's not going to be a huge wind behind us. So we think we can have success there. We've had success there before, you know, as a team. Not necessarily this group because they've never been there, with the exception of well, I'd say Brennan. But I keep thinking that Brennan's been with us for five years just because he's been playing for that long. He's only been with us for three. But so I don't think we have anybody that's that's been to that stadium besides the coaching staff. So we're gonna take off tomorrow morning and have a practice there tomorrow night and get ready to go for Friday. Friday evening, Saturday evening, six thirty first pitch start times in those two pregame at six on News Talk ninety six five KPL powered by Learfield IMG College. One o'clock on Sunday with twelve thirty pregame. Jay Walker and Brad Topham. Have the call. Bab, always appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll talk next week. Time flies, doesn't it? It does. Talked about the A's, stadiums, the Saints opener, Cajun baseball, but it does feel like you were just coming in for that interview right before the season started. That doesn't feel like it was several months ago. It just feels like it was a couple of weeks ago. Yes, and that's the case every year, seems like. Season's winding down. All right, stay tuned. Lynn Burton going to be filling in next hour for Steve Peliquin. We'll keep you guys up to date. Softball. Um, 